night, Guardians. It's time. On May 5th. Are you ready for one last ride? The Guardians say goodbye. That is sad. You know what's sad? People on Earth die when they're like 50. Are you about to die? I'm not 50! Hello there, everyone, and welcome to The Overcast, the podcast focused on fun. I am your host, Over Justin, a.k.a. Oversoul. My co-host is Nick, a.k.a. The Vaping Fiend, and we Hello. are like... We are, like always, bringing you sunshine on a cloudy day. Absolutely. This this is a special episode because it is a review for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. A review slash deep dive. We're going to tell you all about the things, the ups, the downs, the all-arounds, the good, the bad, the in-between. Thoughts first, spoiler-free discussion, giving as much thought and whatnot as we can without spoiling anything and a rating at the end of that and then we will transition into spoilers uh in the second half so um nick what are your first initial spoiler free thoughts on this movie oh man there's not much that i can say well there's Uh, a lot you can say but i mean without spoiling it you mean (laughs) Uh, that 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 part yeah um so it's dark that's like that, that's that's super, what i was gonna say yeah super dark like mm. holy shit man i laughed i cried i was on the edge of my fucking seat the entire time <laughs> uh, yeah um it was definitely dark it is mm-hmm. but so uh, there are some uh, so there are definitely some things that we can say spoiler free about this movie um i will say that it is dark but it is still funny it has its Mm -hmm. funny moments and what i appreciate about this movie one of the things i noticed is that it's for it's it's hard to balance that tone difference between dark horrifying depressing moments and genuinely Mm -hmm. funny and exciting moments um, and those upbeat moments, I think, are necessary because they serve as a sort of palate cleanser to the, uh, to the darker tone, you know? Yeah. And what I would say is that this movie balances those two tones perfectly. I think it does a fantastic job. Absolutely. Um, complimenting each other. Because an example of a movie that doesn't do that right is the f- or first Suicide Squad, the one with Will Smith. That yes. movie, you know, the, the two tones of that movie, the dark parts and the comedy parts, they conflict with each other. They yes. they, they headbutt, they clash, they don't complement. In this movie, they complement each other. They work yes. well together, you know. Absolutely. And um, a lot of that is up to James Gunn's just fantastic, brilliant acting and performances. Um Yes. And it's definitely safe it's definitely safe to say this because it's uh it's kind of public knowledge at this point. A lot of people have been talking about it. Um this movie is especially hard to watch for animal lovers. Oh, absolutely. It's it's got a lot of you picture Sid's bedroom from Toy Story and the things that he did to <sighs> those toys, but yeah. with animals and in oh live my, action. Oh my. And it's basically that. Bro, there you know, was I bet so you know exactly. Uh, yes, that shit was so fucked up. 
you know exactly which yes. which of the animals I'm thinking of too when I say that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yep. Uh huh. I sure do. Oh, and I have I have some thoughts on the specific designs as well that do I'm gonna you? have to wait till spoilers to get into. But yeah, honestly, okay. Have you ever heard the term fridge horror? Fridge horror? No. Fridge horror. Okay, so there's a website called TV Tropes where you can kind of look up lists of cliches and tropes. Like a good example of a horror trope is I have no mouth and my must scream, which means being stuck in a fate worse than death. Okay. Yeah, that's what that one. Or or what you don't see is scarier is the um you know, is uh one of them. There's a horror trope called eye scream, which literally anything having to do with eyeballs is what that is. Jesus. Um just these kind of things. It's also where we get terms like the you better come take a look at this cliche or the deus ex machina, you know, when uh, somebody comes out of nowhere and saves the day, that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've learned about a lot of this stuff, that and watching CinemaSins. And okay. um, TV Tropes has a section called Fridge Horror uh, for certain things. And sometimes some of the most innocent stuff can have Fridge Horror moments. And what Fridge Horror is, is that it's... Horror that doesn't hit you until later, until after the fact. It's like putting leftovers away in the fridge to to enjoy later. Mm-hmm. It's things that when you're watching a movie or playing a game or something, something that kind of like plants a seed in your head that doesn't become a horrifying realization until later. And then you like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. You know, now do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... I feel like this movie had a lot of fridge horror moments surrounding those animals because to this day certain things live rent free in my head and I was I was paying attention to certain things while watching it mm-hmm. but it wasn't until days later that that the true horror of some of that shit I saw on screen really hit me <laughs> you oh, know yeah that's sh- um, oh my god I, feel, I, I want to see this movie again. I'm going to see it again. I need to see it again. <laughs> I'm going to watch it again like, when it comes when it hits Disney Plus, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm probably going to go with our buddy PJ to the theaters to see it either this weekend or next because I, gen- I, have, to, I, I have to give it a second view. I wish I had seen it again before recording this so I could have like a double perspective, but like yeah. it's still fresh enough. It's still fresh enough in my mind because something hasn't stuck with me like this like this given me this kind of like a damn that was messed up like existential crisis Mm -hmm. since i played soma since i played soma back in 2015 that's this yeah yeah that's that's just how much it's because it's a guardians of the galaxy movie and you're not expecting that exactly I will say this without without spoiling anything. This movie wasted no time getting straight into the nitty gritty of it. Absolutely like, not. I was ex- yeah, I was expecting a I was I was expecting a slow build up, and instead we got hit with whiplash. It's like one of those roller coasters that just rockets off right from the get go. Yeah. You know, that's basically what it was. Holy hell in a handbasket. That was that was uh that. Uh, now uh, there's no easy there's no better word to describe this movie but like i said dark it's really dark d- dark but it, but fun yeah yeah it's, very much it's so it's not because i i don't want to i don't want to deter people i'll i will say it earns its pg13 rating for sure oh absolutely they, the the marvel marvel cinematic universe dropped their first f bomb in this 
that's public knowledge. Yeah, so that's not necessarily which a spoiler. I, no, no, no. But in the spoilers, we're going to talk about how that might be one of the best ever used f bombs in cinematic history. Yes. Um, <laughs> just because, just because of the like, I know some people are like, "Eh, they wasted it." No, 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 no. When you look at the context behind everything that happens up to that point, that was actually the most brilliant part they could have used. That <laughs> yes. honestly, yes. This the I I felt it that. That f bomb came from deep within that character's soul. Yeah, like that was I felt it in my own soul. <laughs> yeah, you know? that was that was earned. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, how do we feel about Will Poulter as Adam Warlock? Did you love him? Did you hate him? What'd you think? Uh, I, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about him at first, but then he's like, he, he kind of um, he grows on you, doesn't he? He did. Yeah, a little bit. Because he just, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Now, his debut scene in the movie had my jaw on the floor. Like, I was like, holy shit. I guess I didn't know that much about him from the comics. Uh, so I was like, okay, okay. Now, what I did know from the comics was Rocket's origin story. And because I played Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy game, which deals with that too. Oh, fun. And I still I still wasn't ready for the shit I saw in this movie. I bet. I was not prepared for some of that. Part, um, of me, part of me wants to re-download the Guardians of the Galaxy game from the PlayStation and play it. I know. This makes you want to play that, right? Like, I played it. I started playing it, but I never finished it. But I, I have to go back at some point because it is a damn good game from what I've heard. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um didn't mean to get off topic. But <laughs> but but no, it's still Guardians. But anyways, I love I love I, I did love Will Poulter in this. You know, I thought some of his scenes were a little corny, sure. The only thing is they kind of underutilized him. It kind of felt like it kind of felt like they, they shoehorned him into the movie because they 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 teased him in the credit scene of the second one and they and mm -hmm. if this is the last Guardians movie, then that means they have to put him in it. Otherwise, they lied. You know what I mean? Right. So, so they put him in it, but it's like they put him in it out of obligation, and they just kind of find little side quests for him to do. He's not, <laughs> uh, like, because we, you know, cause the, um, obviously the... The big villain in this movie is a animal abusing shithead scientist guy that is not <laughs> yeah that is definitely not Will Poulter's character. Adam Lo Adam Warlock is actually like super likable by the end of the movie if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely. Know? So that was um now other things I really liked about this movie without going too deep in like without going into spoilers, you know, this isn't spoilers yet. But everybody knows Gamora was going to be in this because she was in the trailers, yeah. you know. And they do deal with some of the stuff in terms of, you know, the other hers history with Peter. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that they kind of recap it a little bit in a very, you know, funny fashion. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the, the, um, and... Somebody, I had a friend who was confused, so I, I explained this to them uh, the other day about it. And I'm like, okay, so um, now this is spoilers not for this movie, but for other Marvel movies, which are past the statute of limitations and necessary context for this movie. So I'm going to have to talk about it anyways. Right. These, so Gamora dies in Infinity War. 
in order for Thanos to get the Soul Stone. And then, obviously, they kill Thanos in the beginning of Endgame, and then they fast-forward five years, they're dealing with everything, but then they use time travel to go back and get all the Infinity Stones, yada yada. When they go back to get the stone from the first Guardians movie, Thanos from 2014 is there with Gamora from 2014 and brings her forward into the future with him and the 2014 Gamora from the past who never met the Guardians in the first place ends up staying in the future and that is the one in this movie. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Did you not know that? (laughs) Part of me did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because because Quill tried so hard to get her to love him again, and she just wasn't having it, and she pissed off and did her own thing. That's why she's with the Ravagers now. Fun fun fact about the Ravagers, by the way, you know, Sylvester Stallone and all of them. Uh, the floating robot head mainframe was mm-hmm. played by Miley Cyrus in the second movie and is played by Tara Strong in this one. Really? Um, yep. Nice. And, um... So many of the others there, I can't remember all of their names, there's a lot of them, but anyway, Sylvester Stallone's Ravager crew, a lot of the ones that hang with him, yeah. they're the original, original Guardians of the Galaxy, like the original comic book Guardians before they rebooted them into the ones we know now. They did like a reboot series of the comics, and that's what the MCU movies are based on, but before those comics, there were other Guardians that was that team. Okay, Nice. Yeah, so that's why they're in there as kind of a Easter egg. Yondu was one of them as well, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. May have to fact check myself on that one, but I do think that's correct. I believe um, so. Speaking of Yondu, uh, Kraglin in this movie, played by uh, James Gunn's brother Sean Gunn, um, and Cosmo. I found their scenes to be great, oh, absolutely. and I wish there was more. I wish there was more of them. Absolutely. I wish there was more with yes. those two. That's, yes, yes. Like I could have, I, I would have loved more Cosmo in this movie, especially. But Cosmo is um, such a good dog. I, yes, <laughs> Cosmo is a very good dog, and if anyone ever calls her a bad dog, may they be crushed by two giant floating pieces of rock. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that was that was fantastic. So, yeah, um, but any I got off track, but what I was going to say is, I'll get more into this later, but the way that they handle the Quill Gamora thing in this movie, mm-hmm. mwah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. They could have gone a cliche, they could have gone a cliche route, and they didn't, and I'm glad that they didn't, because to me, the story was more about him learning to let go, and that was... It was well handled, I think. Yeah. You know, I I will say, um, I will say that all the other dark things that they do in this movie and some of the, in the beginning, I was kind of given the impression that they might be dealing with some alcoholism stuff. And instead, yeah. it ends up just becoming becoming a one off joke. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not sh- I'm not sure if that was the right way to handle it or not. But I'm also not sure if this is the right movie to talk about that kind of problem either. So right. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of was. I'm kind of glad that they just kind of like they they acknowledged it, but then they moved on from it. You mm-hmm. know. Um. I I really only have two complaints about these this movie, but they are spoilers, so I can't really give them out now. Fair I enough. mean, some of those things, 
some of those things might have sounded like complaints, but they aren't really. They're more just like observations. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not things that bothered me, just things I noticed. But the I do have two things that actually legitimately bothered me that kept this movie from being a perfect ten. It's a nine point five out of ten for me. I'm kind mm-hmm. of giving my hand early here on the rating. Right. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, um, no, I'd have to I'd have to agree with nine point five. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm assuming what keeps it from a perfect ten for you is also in the spoilers. You know what? I'd like to change. I'm assuming... I'd like to change my answer. Okay. It's a perfect ten. <laughs> okay, so it is a perfect ten for you. you yeah, couldn't think I, of I ju- it was. It was so well done. You may you may change your mind after you hear what I have to say later, but it's, it's. I might change it back to a nine point five. 9.5 is almost a 10, but, like, also my, my complaint wasn't really the huge thing. It is, because I've heard two sides. The argument that I'm going to make, I've heard both sides of the same argument on another podcast uh-huh. where where the two where two people disagreed, and I actually see both sides of it, but there's still, there's still a part of me that is a little bothered by it <laughs> so okay. um that's 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 a thing i'll have to get into when that is um i guess i could say the soundtrack in this one was still good yeah but maybe not as maybe not as memorable as the first two or maybe it's just me because i recognized more of the songs in the first two movies i didn't recognize as many of them or wasn't as immediately familiar with as many of the ones in this one you yeah know what i mean i get it um, but I don't know, maybe that's just me, because <laughs> uh, they, don't they, did they jump forward a decade with the music, or am I, or am I crazy? I like, think they, they, they might. Went from 80s, they went from 80s to 90s, didn't they? They did. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, it's weird, I was born in 89, so I grew up in the 90s, but I'm somehow more familiar with 80s music. <laughs> um, I don't know. But then again, like I watch a lot of movies, and a lot of movies play a lot of eighties music. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a library of like license free or uh, easy, like cheap music to put in your movies. Like, yeah, the the Mario movie, as good as it was, probably would have been better if they had stuck with their original score remix of Mario music and not shoved all that pop music in there for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but. Still a great movie, but that's not the one we're talking about. We already did that one. You can watch that episode. There's there'll be a link below or something. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but anyways, um, I'm trying to think if I have any other spoiler-free thoughts. This is a very involved movie, so there's a lot uh, a lot going on there. Oh yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess you can't really say too much without getting into the into the weeds here. So, yeah, uh, 9.5 out of 10 for me, a 10 out of 10 for you. That is our spoiler-free discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and our rating for it. Yes. Now, we're going to transition into spoilers. You have been warned. As soon as we transition over, spoiler talk will begin in 3... Two, one. 
I don't need another speech by some impotent whack job whose mother didn't love him rationalizing why he needs to conquer the universe. I'm not trying to conquer the universe. I'm perfecting it. All right, folks, now it's time to get into a deep dive about this movie. This is the meat and potatoes of the episode, the spoilers. You have been warned for the final time. If you're yeah. still here and you bitch about spoilers, that's on you. All right. Now. Oh, uh, R.I.P. Floor, Lila, and Teeths. <laughs> Oh man, dude, that was that was one of the scenes I cried in. Okay, I, I, I'm not even not even gonna lie. That was that was uh that was that was brutal. I felt and the way that Rocket scratched the shit out of that dude's face. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about that because that was definitely as brutal as it could have been for a PG-13 rating, because you didn't see it happen in all of its glistening glory, but you did see blood start to pool up in his mouth and shit and whatnot. And you, I mean, you you knew what happened, you know, as uh, Dennis Reynolds might say, it's the implication. (laughs) um, Yeah. Maybe they'll release, like, a... um... (laughs) <laughs> an extended cut and show that on camera no disney Maybe. disney disney <laughs> they're not gonna let that happen. yeah i know they're not gonna let that one happen. can only hope i'm surprised <laughs> they let what happened happen to be honest right you. that was it was they, fucking brutal they had to do some clever some clever stuff to get away with it and mm-hmm. So, like, for example, there was definitely, like, that fight scene with the machine warthog creature and Adam Warlock, and he basically just, like, rips her head off. Like Warhog, yeah. Okay, yeah, Warhog. Because her spine is robotic, they got away with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if it was Bones, they would not have got away with that. <laughs> no. So that's... But... It doesn't make the imagery any less absolutely horrifying. If you, right. And surprisingly brutal for an MCU movie. Now, you haven't seen Moon Knight, and I have. So this is, and I know this isn't Marvel's, the MCU's first foray, foray into violence, you know, because they've done it. Um, and we're okay. getting we're getting Daredevil back next year. You know, I mean, it's, it's going to be delayed now because of the writer's strike, but it's coming still um, yeah. at some point. And they, that's going to be rated TVMA as well. You know, nice. um, Moon Knight was violent. It, we didn't see a lot of that violence on screen. You know, it happened during blackouts, but it was violent. Um, mm-hmm. And it was rated TVMA. And we saw a lot of the blood and stuff. They started, they're not shying away from showing blood so much anymore. They did, like, they had a whole, <laughs> it's, I mean, it started with Falcon and the Winter Soldier very mildly, and then it kind of just, like, boosted its way up from there. So. Yeah. Um. Bro. It's. The fucking. Good movie. Oh, my God. This fantastic piece of art. I, I agree. So, um. So, yeah, in this, in the majority of this movie, Rocket is dying, you know, and they're trying yeah. to, they're trying to save him. So we don't get a lot of him in the movie. The trailers didn't really show that too much. They just made, you know, they're going to deal with 
Rocket is the protagonist, but then most of his screen time in the movie is in these traumatizing flashbacks. Um, Yeah. And that's one of the things I hinted at earlier. So, okay, the rabbit uh, with the mechanical spider legs. Yes, that's the one that you were talking about. Yeah, it reminds me of the doll-headed spider creature from Toy Story. Yes, that's exactly what I thought of, too. I also I also liked um, the way they did the it was interesting what they did with Lila. Oh, they also gave the rabbit floor a um, iron jaw thing, and that rabbit also has red eyes, and so it just looked like a like if I saw that thing in a horror game, I would run away. I, I <laughs> right that. Would, <laughs> It, it was horrifying <laughs> That's to look the at. things nightmares are made of. And there was something even more unnerving about that character's simplicity. The fact that she only yeah. really understood very basic things and only spoke, spoke one-liners. It was definitely... It gave me, like... This poor thing is stuck in a fate worse than death. She just doesn't know it because she doesn't understand completely. Mm-hmm. Like, she had a very uh, almost childlike... Uh, mentality compared to the others and Mm -hmm. it 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 made it all the more sad and yet all the more horrifying at the same time her her innocence made her scarier in a way it's like yeah it's like when you see like a a ghost child or or a doll in a horror movie you know (laughs) yeah so it's uh-huh. that that kind of thing. Um, and... Don't get me started on porcelain dolls. <laughs> Those things creep me the fuck out. That's like, bro, I shit you not, my fucking like fears is compared to Markiplier's fucking man. Fear of, ma- of yeah, mannequins, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's so unnerved by the thought of porcelain dolls that he can't even get the word mannequins out. He just porky pigged that shit. He's like, I, I did. Like, <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> fucking shit, man. No, don't get me started on porcelain dolls. I, no. My my ex-wife kept telling me she wanted to get a replica of the fucking Annabelle doll. I said, the fuck you are? Uh-uh. Not in my house. <laughs> oh. Lovely. Beautiful. But anyways, though. Um, but as, as horrifying and traumatizing as all the animal abuse and experiment stuff is... It also creates a very hateable villain, a very well-written, very punchable villain, you know? Yes. Um, I'm glad he ended up getting what he deserved. Also, he gave me he gave me Kang energy at one a couple He did. Like that part where like he okay, did. So that part where his crew commits a mutiny on him and they're about to take over and stuff and he just like screams and eviscerates all of them. That was some Kang shit right there. Yeah, exactly. It sure fucking was. Uh, Bro, you know what? I don't know if you caught it towards the end of the movie. Hmm. Um, Groot said something other than "I am Groot." He said, "I love you guys." Yeah, but so I my thought question, that was pretty cool. I thought about that too, and I was like, "Okay, did he actually say that? Say that, or are we the audience 
like understanding i thought it was maybe deeper than that you know and again i'm overthinking overanalyzing but that's what we do here see i kind of figured out how this dynamic works on this podcast right i am like the film critic side of things the overanalyzer and you're like the 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 uh, the general audience member side of things you know the fans perspective um Mm -hmm. and i think that works i think that juxtaposition works perfectly because it gives the audience two uh two uh, varying perspectives that when you mix mm-hmm. them together make for one solid review <laughs> you know right yeah because you know rotten tomatoes got like the critic scores and the fan scores and all that when you consider if you mix those together that's basically what we got going on <laughs> you know right yeah <laughs> um but yeah uh, um Oh, so my thought process on that part is, um, so did Groot himself actually say something different from normal, like out loud? Because no one called attention to it, I noticed. And, you know, and I thought maybe that was either because they're just used to understanding him, so it was normal to them, or... Was it deeper than that? Was it almost like a fourth wall thing where they're basically saying that we've been along this journey now to the point where we are now a member of the Guardians and now we can understand group? You know what I mean? Like, we're part of their family now. They were including us in in that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of, I thought it was more symbolic than it was literal. But I could be yeah. wrong. That could. That's just my interpretation. I don't know. What do you think? That sounds about right. Do so you think it, you think it was more symbolic than literal? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, that's that. It's interesting to get different perspectives on things. It kind of like makes you see yeah. things a different way sometimes, doesn't it? You know. It does. Um, yeah. But damn, this movie had so many good parts. Now. I didn't cry when all those animals got killed, although I damn near wanted to. What happened there was I jumped about two feet out of my seat when Lila got shot is what happened. Like, I'm used to jump scares and shit, but that was loud. And I, it, I knew something was, was coming, but I thought, I thought what was going to happen was that they were going to get killed, like, well, trying to escape. I wasn't expecting that shit right when it happened. Like, they, they pulled the rug out from under me and i had the same reaction i do in a vr horror game when something gets in my face i didn't wave my arms around and scream or nothing but like i jumped i like it wasn't like a it wasn't like a subtle jump either it was like if you were watching me you would have noticed it happen like i i like my ass came out of the seat a little bit (laughs) like right that was loud (laughs) and sudden and it scared the hell out of me. And then the scene becomes sad, of course. And I knew that shit was going to happen. Um, but I thought it wasn't going to happen right then and there. But then after mm-hmm. after, after they killed Lila, I knew it was coming next. And I expected it. The scene, and I was it was sad for sure. But the scene that finally got me to cry... Uh, you know, and I think it might have been because it was the straw that broke the camel's back after all the rest of this emotional buildup in this movie. But it was near the end when I thought Rocket was going to die. And he was in, like, the other yeah. side with his dead friends. 
and all that. And I was like, oh, God, he's accepting it. He's going. They're actually going to kill him. I was like, I knew they were going to kill someone in this movie. They fucking have to. It's the last one. They have to do that. They have to kill somebody. And like... The only person (laughs) that ended up dying was the fucking bad guy. Exactly. Man, they... But... And then... But seeing... But when they thought he was dead, seeing... Peter's reaction is what got to me. Seeing him screaming is what got to me. That's where I started bawling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I couldn't keep it anymore at this point. I'm starting to tear up now just talking about it. (laughs) 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 Holy shit. Yeah, that was such good acting, um, Chris Pratt's part. Really good moment. And, but then they, they send him back anyways, and you know, like, I was happy that they did, and I almost wanted to be mad for a second, like, oh, you fucking cockteases, you were gonna do that, <laughs> you were, you, you made me cry all these tears for nothing, you didn't even have the balls to go through with it, you dicks, <laughs> um, but I was happy, I was, I was actually, I was happy that everyone actually got their happy ending, um, because, Three different times in this movie, they fake death us. Three different times. Yeah, they sure in this did. Movie. The first one was with Drax, which I thought was going to be. Re- He's one of the people I was expecting to die because of Dave Bautista leaving. So of course they played on that. They they knew that people knew who was not going to be here anymore, and they were like, "He, let's pretend to kill the guys who are leaving and make people mad." You know, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what they did. I don't know why yeah. I turned into Trump just now when I said that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Melanie, um, <clears throat> I uh. But yeah, first it was with Drax when they infiltrate that weird orgy-borgy place that's made of flesh, and Nathan Fillion is there in a bubble suit. <laughs> um, um, and <laughs> and they shot him, and he fell into the fountain, and I was like, oh no, it's curtains for old Draxy boy. But nope, <laughs> he made it. And then again later with Rocket, and I was like, "Oh, this one has to be real. They're they're playing it up so much." And then nope, he made it, and he's fit for combat immediately after getting. I might want to point out, by the way, after spending most of the movie on the operating table, slowly dying, he needs like <laughs> zero recovery time, <laughs> right? Before he gets right back into the action, but um. Ah, I gotta love the suspension of disbelief necessary sometimes. It doesn't make the movie any less good. It's just fun to poke fun at it for these things. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways. And then, of course, there was that part later with Peter Quill. And this is one of the issues I actually do have with the movie. This one I actually am going to complain about. Because... Because they pulled this same cheap ass, he's gonna freeze to death in space, death on us, in a previous Guardians bro, movie. Bro, that shit had me bawling for a few minutes, like a, like a minute or two. I'm like, no, they're, they're, they're gonna kill Peter? No! And then they puffed his face up, like, I know that's what would happen, but, like, also, the, the amount of time that he was out there... I know that his dad is a planet and all that blah blah blah, but he's still half human. He didn't survive that shit. That's some horse shit. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't believe for one second. You know, Adam Warlock took his sweet time getting out there too. Like I, uh, 
he could just no. What pissed me off is that after all that other emotional shit, it was the fake third, the third fake death, and I mean, but it was also just a repeat of a previous fake Peter death from a different Guardians movie. This is not the first time that he's almost froze to death floating in space. They've done that before. Yeah, and that was my that was my only. Out of two complaints, I'm just going to get it out of the way now, rip the band-aid off. My other complaint was that Guardian didn't... Or, fucking Guardian. Rocket <laughs> did not blow that motherfucker's face <laughs> to hell. I swear to God, after everything that they went through, and he's got him dead to rights, and he's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm a Guardian of the Galaxy. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean the Guardians have been killing people left and right the entire goddamn movie? I mean... exactly. I get it to an extent. I've heard both sides of the argument on this one. I get it. The point is that he's learning to let go. Just like Peter learned to let go of Gamora. It's the theme is letting go. The theme of this movie is learning to move on and let go. And yeah, I get it. And they needed it for the theme and all that. But it's still some illogical nonsense <laughs> from yeah. from the perspective of someone who's been watching the literally when they infiltrate the the building on that planet full of animal people. Peter and yeah. um um Peter and Groot are there, and he pulls out like seventeen arms with each with a gun, which was really cool. And by the way, very yeah. nice scenery. But like, and he's like, "Kill them all!" And he's like, "I am Groot!" Pow 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 pow! Like, and <sighs> I'm like, and then. For them to tone shift that later, he's like, nah, I'm not going to kill him. It would have been fine if he just said, I'm not going to kill him, you know, that you know, and then said something else, something more meaningful that has to do with him specifically. Like, yeah. you know, I've, I'm like, I'm moving on or, you know, or that would make me just as bad as him or some shit like that, you know. Or yeah, that's what I th- I, honestly, or, that's what I expected him to say. Or he doesn't deserve that kind of mercy, maybe even make it a little selfish, you know, just like I'll let, I'll let the captain go down with his ship since that shit was crashing anyways, you know, Pretty do the much, Batman yeah. thing. I don't have to save you, but I'm, you know, or he's like. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either. You know, that, that, thing. yeah, that, um, yep. but instead he chose to say, I'm a guardian of the galaxy, which holds no water when your friends, the guardians of the galaxy have been killing people all movie. That is not a valid <laughs> right? reason to not kill someone. They literally get paid to kill people. That is not, <laughs> you know, make it more personal. Then I, that line would have been less stupid. I think to me anyways, um, I think we should, uh, talk about the uh the mcu's first f-bomb yeah well deserved speaking of the animal planet at this point peter is absolutely stressed out because gamora is with them and she's not reciprocating his his advances because it's not the gamora that he knows you know as we explained earlier it's the it's a different one he's trying to learn to accept that and then of course he's dealing with the frustrations of rocket dying and they're inside these people's houses he's trying to understand how to communicate with people that don't speak english and his friends are all being asswads and impolite house guests and he's hit his fucking limit so when they get into the when they get into the car the old earth type car and 
Nebula's having a hard time figuring out how to get the door open, and they're fighting and arguing about it. And you know how it can be with people like trying to open the door while you're trying to unlock it, and the shit doesn't work right, and all that. Peter's had it up to here with this shit, and after he, he finally gets it unlocked, she's like, "What do I do?" And he says, "What?" Push down on it. What? Push it down. I am pushing down on it. Push the button. It looks like you're pushing the keyhole. The what? There's a button under the handle. Press that in. Okay. Now what? Open the door. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Open the fucking door. Yes, open <laughs> the fucking door. That's what he said. And that <laughs> was so well-deserved at that point. I laughed. I was like, yeah, I felt that. I felt that deep within the innards of my soul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Peter was pissed off and frustrated. I mean, all we've all been there. You know how it's yes. like it, so much serious shit just piles on and piles on and like you haven't dealt with it right. And then like it's always something really tiny, really stupid and really minor. That's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yep. You know, that's mm-hmm. why they call it that the straw that breaks the camel's back because the camel's got a back full of luggage. And the last thing it takes is a little piece of straw for his back to finally break. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's. Yeah, that was so well deserved at that point. I uh, I definitely agree that that was the right way to. That was the perfect spot to put your f bomb in that movie. Definitely. Oh, absolutely, definitely. Well, well placed. But yeah, you mentioned earlier Lila's design too, which is pretty cool. She's an otter, yeah. um, but her arms and legs are cybernetic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how she was in the comics, too. And uh, if you get the chance, definitely play Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy at some point. They are, uh, it's a five okay. episode, like, you know, you know, like The Walking Dead and Batman yeah. and all that that they did. It's just like that, like The Wolf Among Us, all that shit. So, yeah, it's a five episode thing where you make choices and there's like puzzles and you fly around and there's combat, too, and stuff like that. So, um, quick time events. Nice. So, it's definitely worth playing for the story. Um, it, the, the story literally starts out, they kill Thanos, and they're trying to figure out what to do with his body, and then shenanigans go from there. And it does, it deals with Rocket's backstory in one of the episodes. So Okay. Um, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look into it. Some symbolism in that department, by the way, when Rocket uh, finally, so when he's going to save the animals... Um, because I was wondering too that whole time. I'm like, okay, the good they got the kids out, but what about the animals? We gotta save the animals. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be like, fuck them kids, save the animals. But at the same time, right. I'm like, fuck them kids, save the animals. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? <laughs> no, no. But seriously, I'm glad they saved all of them. Um, but <clears throat> no, uh, I knew Rocket was gonna go back for those animals. I had a feeling, and when he sees the raccoons, and he has this moment, this like revelation where he realizes that they look like him and he looks at the name on the thing and sees raccoon and he has this like, oh shit, I am a raccoon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. That was beautiful. That was so well it done. Was. I think it was just, this entire movie was so well filmed. And as I said before, the, um, the, the okay, tone shift it, between comedy and darkness is very well handled. And I liked how um, when uh, I forget 
what was how what what the scene was, but I remember something that Rocket said. He said, "I'm not eight nine P one three. I'm Rocket." Raccoon. Yeah, yeah. He was saying it to the to the villain. I'm sure before he blew yeah. him to hell. Now that yeah. was the other thing too. I'm surprised. So we didn't get to see what his face looked like when it was getting mauled. But we did get to see the aftermath, and it kind of gave me, like, Two-Face from the Dark Knight vibes a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. That when, that was brutal. When they peel his mask off and you see, like, what his, like that's the best job that his face could have possibly healed. Uh, like, that, that gives you an indication of how brutal that mauling was, and also why you probably shouldn't absolutely. fuck with raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either in the MCU or real life, uh, I, I just, yeah. Um, right. Let that be a warning. You know this. You know there are parts of this movie that kind of you know feel like uh, it, it's not like you know it's not like um, super drastic or anything uh, like like the kind of shit that PETA might show you to make you feel bad, you know, but it is, it's definitely making a statement about animal cruelty for sure. Absolutely. And I think I read an article somewhere where PETA tried to get involved. I'm glad they didn't. I don't need that. They're, they're hypocrites at the, at the best of times. So. I mean, but the thing is, not a, there was no animals harmed in the making of that film. Those were all CGI, obviously all CGI animals. Yeah, but you know what? This was some real good CGI, and those animals looked it real. It sure fucking was. So that's one of the things I wanted to point out. The design of... I don't even want to think about how they got tank treads on a walrus. That just... That's a whole nother can of worms that I'm not even trying to open. But the rabbit, I just, they cut off her back legs. I don't know, I don't know how many they people did. really paid attention to the design, but when they're all laying on their backs on the floor and giving themselves names and you see her a couple times, there's no mm. back legs, man. It's just two, no, little, two little black stubs. And yep. I can't get that image out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to see that shit in my nightmares. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. God, what an interesting movie. Um, yes. But, um, yeah, so Adam Warlock showing up at the very beginning of this movie, pretty much, like, I, like they started with with music and a little bit of sadness, and I was like, oh, Rocket's sad, but hey, this is a good song. You know, and then... Uh, you know, we see different things happening in Nowhere Where They Live. Um, it's a little drab, but not completely. But then out of nowhere, Adam Warlock shows up and just fucks everything. <laughs> like, that man has basically got all the powers of Superman. He was insane. Also, that stone in his head, its I, I don't think they call attention to it in this movie or nothing, but in the comic books, that's the Soul Stone. Oh. Yeah, because it's his soul in the Soul Stone, you see. Okay. Originally. Okay. You were going to say something. Yeah. they. Um, I liked... I know you mentioned it earlier. I, I really liked Cosmo. <laughs> Cosmo. Yes. 
I like the Cosmo Craglin relationship, and I like that we kept coming back to it. He was starting to irritate me with his refusing to take back his bad dog statement. But <laughs> when he finally did, it was a very well-earned moment. If if a little cheesy, but you, any excuse to have Cosmo on screen is a good good moment for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cosmo is a good dog. Yeah, any excuse. Any excuse to have Cosmo on screen is a valid excuse as far as I'm concerned. You can do all the cliche nonsense you want. Just put that dog front and center and I'll be okay. Like, right. Um, yeah, and her powers are awesome. I just, to think that she didn't go with them, you know? Like, they could have got through so many scenarios a lot easier with her telekinesis. <laughs> Absolutely. But then, of course, the movie would have been, like, 30 minutes long. <laughs> so. Yeah. And that dog, the dog is kind of overpowered. Like, you gotta, you gotta sideline yeah. characters like that, or basic, or they'll just, like, easy mode their way through the whole movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, but, oh, man. man. Plus, it's good that they, she was there to help defend Nowhere when the, uh, when the things showed up. And Craglin yeah. finally learning how to use the arrow was a pretty lovely scene. But damn, man, they showed us the ghost of Yandu in that moment. And I was like, yeah. fucking kick, kick us while we're down, why don't you, you assholes? Right? Man, this movie wants to hurt you. This movie goes out of your way to hurt out, hurt you. It's like The Last of Us. <laughs> in that, this movie the... was insane. Oh, man. It wants to make you laugh, but it also wants to make you cry. That's for damn sure. Yeah, um, I was on the edge of my seat the whole fucking show. Oh, yeah. The tension was high. The stakes the stakes in this movie are extremely high because there is a very real possibility of those characters dying. You know, especially, like, because, you know, we remember from thing, from previous movies that char- actors whose contracts are up usually tend to disappear. You know, their mm-hmm. character either dies or gets written off. And, like, the Iron Man, Captain America, you know. Um, yeah. So, you know, Black Widow. So this is um, very... I, I was 100% expecting someone to die. So for me, this entire movie, the stakes were super, super high. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, I believed... Like, you know, you get so many movies where you're like, oh, the good guys are going to win, bad guys going to lose. Everybody lives happily ever after. You know, the protagonist has plot armor, yada, yada, that kind of thing. That was, I, I didn't feel that in this movie. I felt like everyone was in very real danger the whole time, <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's, that's chalked up to really good story writing and really good cinematography, you know? Mantis um, was kind of funny in this one, too. Yeah, can we talk about the relationship between Drax and Mantis? Because that is also a fine work of art, if you ask me. And oh, the, absolutely, you know, the great acting on their depart on their part as well. And you know, it, it did make me kind of sad at the end when they all go their separate ways, and Drax is sad to see Mantis go. You know, it's yeah, like, that was kind of sad. He's not a very emotional guy, but he showed some real emotions there. You know, he sure did. But, I like those two are great together. We we figured that out in the Christmas special, and since it works so well, yeah. they just basically doubled down on it in this movie, and I'm glad they did because that was um, a very their dynamic is awesome. They have great chemistry, on screen chemistry. Um, I like that they like 
like acknowledged that in this one, like they did in the, the Christmas special, uh, that uh, Mantis is Peter Quill's sister. Yes, and of course they put that throwaway line in there. I'm glad that they did, but it is a throwaway line. They don't really call attention to it because they expect you to have watched the Christmas special because, of course, as our... <laughs> As our favorite uh, YouTube comedian, Ryan George, says on his pitch meeting show, <laughs> the MCU is the world's most expensive TV show, and it's not their fault if you miss an episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, oh, I didn't see this show or this movie or any of that, and they're like, hmm, not our problem if you don't know what's going on 17 right. movies later. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so... It is what it is. Give mm -hmm. us money. <laughs> but right. Um but but yeah, oh yeah, that part about her being him sister um they just it's so brief. He's like, "Oh yeah, well, blah 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 and you're my sister." And yeah, yeah, and they're just talking about it. Well, they're like doing like maintenance on something else and like oh okay they definitely just kind of squeeze that in there for the people who didn't watch the christmas special oh <laughs> um, yeah you know just like that elevator scene where they basically recap the events of infinity war and endgame yeah you uh -huh. know in a in a yep. but in a very hilarious manner <laughs> mm-hmm Yep. He's like, hmm, but little did I know that my ex-girlfriend would come back as a huge green dick. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. And I know you're probably asking, why would I trust her? Well, that's a good question. The answer is, we used to be in love. Yeah, she was my girlfriend, only she doesn't remember it because it wasn't her. Because her dad threw her off a magic cliff and she died, and then I lost my temper and nearly destroyed half the universe. And she came back out of the past. There she is. Everyone else who died in the past stayed dead. Not her. Why? Was it the magic cliff? I don't know. That's some freaking Infinity Stone scientist. And some dumbass Earth dude who met a girl, fell in love. That girl died. And then came back a total dick. I also have to say I laughed both of those times. or I, Not like laugh, laugh, but I definitely smirked in um, both times. They bookended it where uh, Nebula and... Um, and Gamora see each other and they both like snort at each other like mm -hmm, you know <laughs> that shit, I found that shit funny because you know they're like tough warrior women so it was just like it was funny to me you know uh, oh, it's absolutely like, it's like their their way of saying I love you <laughs> you know <laughs> um I can't remember oh man there was a lot of good jokes in this movie I'm trying to remember which one had me laughing the hardest um, mm. Which one was the funniest to me? I do agree that the Drax on the couch stuff was pretty funny. I don't know if that yes. was the funny if the that was the funniest part for me though. Um, what about you? What was your what was your most what was the funniest um, moment for you? Bro, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> watching uh, <laughs> watching um. Uh, Peter kind of like slowly stare at Nebula and then 
her basically telling him off was pretty entertaining, you know? Like Yeah. It's like uh he's like, knock it off! Don't look at me like that. And he's like, Oh sorry, I just never noticed how black your eyes are. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> yeah. like, she's like they, they were surgically removed and replaced by my father as a torture method. <laughs> He picked a beautiful set. He picked a beautiful set, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolute nonsense. The it's usually like yes. the ba- it's the quippy banter between characters that is usually what is usually what it is, more so than like one specific funny moment. I think it's just like a mm-hmm. uh, a a pace that's maintained for the most part. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um throughout. Uh <laughs> But there were definitely, definitely some uh, some great moments. I th- it was very heartwarming for me to see Drax communicate with the kids. How it turned yes. out that he he knew how to speak their language the whole time, and he became like a like a fairy godfather to them, sort of. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was even more heartwarming considering what happened to his daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was I th- that in for him to be left in charge of them at at the end of it all, you know, because he stays. It just Nebula's makes sense. Safe, ha- yeah. You know, he helps Nebula with them with a safe haven. Um, and speaking mm-hmm. of that, by the way, when they're getting all the kids and the animals off the ship and stuff, I um, I I know it was supposed to be funny, and it was, but I was also mildly horrified when they tossed the monkey at that one lady and he started scratching the shit out of her face because I was I was like I was I was like oh my god I'm like yo that's not monkey maulings are no joke bro that lady ain't gonna have a face no more. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just they just they basically just killed that woman off screen. Like yes. <laughs> what God the fuck? Like that's mildly horrifying <laughs> shit. And for me it's even worse because I've I saw it was very recently, like within the past few months, that I saw Nope. And that has like a, a whole section dealing with like a monkey murdering a bunch of people on the set of a TV show. So Jesus Christ. I was just like, ah, Gordy! God damn. <laughs> yeah. God damn. It, it, so it definitely stood out to me. I was like, God, this movie is secretly a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm telling, like, Marvel's getting dark. Like, Multiverse of Madness was secretly a horror movie. This is secretly a horror movie. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Everyone's been moon knighted. Yes. <laughs> um, holy shit. Oh, but no, it def- it had its fun and upbeat moments too. And it was very heartwarming. Very like I love that everyone got to do like you know they 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 wrote a good reason for them all to go their separate ways. And I did. Mm-hmm. I felt I felt bad for Rocket when he was like, "Oh, so this is goodbye. We're all just separating." And I'm like, "Oh, you poor little buddy." And he's like. Yeah, but no. See, like now you're the new leader of the Guardians, and I have to say that mid-credit scene where Rocket is leading a new set of Guardians, fucking mm-hmm. amazing, absolutely amazing. Because you know they got Adam Warlock in there, they got Craiglin in there. Everyone is like, and they got one now. The little girl that was part of the ones, the group of kids that they saved, that's part of the new Guardians. In the comics, mm-hmm. she's known as Philavel. And she was actually born from the DNA of Marvel, who is the mentor of Captain Marvel, 
Which is why she has similar powers to Captain Marvel. You could see her hands kind of glowing before they cut, you know, when they were about to fight. So, Philavel is kind of like another Captain Marvel, kind of. Not exactly. More like a discount version, (laughs) you know? But the thing is, and I'm sure you saw the trailer for it before this movie came on, in the upcoming movie The Marvels, we basically have... I'm excited. We have three Captain Marvels already, basically. Yep. I mean, well, we do. We have Captain Marvel, we have Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, and then we have Photon. However, Brie Larson isn't coming back after that movie, so that might be why they're trying, you know, to bring. They're doing this thing too, where they're starting to bring in a bunch of kids that have powers because they're building up. I think they're building up to the Young Avengers. I think that's I part think of what they're doing. That makes sense. So we got like Kate Bishop. Um, we got you know um, uh, the the daughter of Thor the adopted daughter mm-hmm. um um and there's a whole bunch of others from like marvel tv shows that i don't want to spoil because you should watch them eventually um yeah the disney plus ones but yeah there's that's where a lot of these new characters are being set up is in those shows um okay but we are getting some of it in movies too and i think that because they wanted to give us a new group of Guardians in case they want to bring them back later in the MCU, but we're not getting any more Guardians of the Galaxy movies. But we might see the characters again, which brings me to the second credit scene, how they said Star-Lord will return. And just yes. considering some of the stuff I saw in that newspaper, what I think that means is I think... Because we have two Avengers movies coming up in um, Phase 5 and 6, and we're in Phase 5 now. And those movies are um, Avengers Secret Wars and Avengers the Kang Dynasty. And yes. now now that Peter Quill is back on Earth, what I think that means is that he's going to be in one of the next Avengers movies as a standalone Star-Lord, but joining them for helping them fight whatever the big threat is. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. That's what they did. They they planted him on Earth so they could use him again in upcoming projects more than anything, I feel. But it was nice to see him um, give, like, uh, you know, I'm surprised his grandpa didn't have a heart attack when he saw him, to be honest. That man is old. (laughs) Right. After all these years, like, he thought his grandson was dead and he just shows up out of nowhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But but it was nice to see him reconnect. Um, Yes, absolutely. It was was nice to see everyone follow their dreams. And this was a lot of character development for Mantis, too, because she'd been spending most, most of these movies... She was a doormat for for Peter's dad in the second movie, and she just lived in servitude to him. And ever since then, she's basically just been the emotional baggage carrier for the rest of the Guardians. And yeah, pretty much. Now, now she's finally gonna be able to f- find herself, be her own person, you know. And she doesn't have to worry about being able to fight because she's got three giant tentacle monsters <laughs> to protect her. Exactly. So, you know. Um, that was definitely some cliche nonsense when then she was like, oh, they're not, you know, they, they don't want to hurt us. They're actually very gentle. Here, let me show you, you know, like taming the, they, the, ta- the taming the beast cliche, you know. They eat batteries, not people. <laughs> they eat batteries, not people. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, the lion's not angry. He's just got a thorn in his paw. <laughs> oh. Right. Hey, but you know what? It worked. And it was entertaining to see them come riding in on it. Like, okay, guys, we got to go save them. And then they come bursting through the wall, having already saved themselves. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, all that was for nothing. <laughs> um, I gotta love these tone shifts. I also love when villains are having like a monologue and they're trying to yammer on and on and the characters ain't trying to hear it, so they just shoot them in the middle of what they're saying. That, <laughs> that is a thing. They started doing that more recently a couple of years ago, you know, just cutting off vin- villainous monologue um, in the middle of mm-hmm. them talking. Um, because villainous monologue was a cliche, but now interrupting villainous monologue is also starting to become an overused cliche. <laughs> so, you know, you just can't win, you know. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Right. So, um, but it is it is fun to see that, but God, I wish Rocket would have blasted that man's face off after all, all that right. shit. Like, exactly. I just, I, and maybe it was my own personal need to see vengeance exacted on this animal-abusing piece of shit, <laughs> you know? But, yeah. but truly, you know what? Letting the man go down with his own ship is good enough, too, I suppose. Hopefully he died. Hopefully he didn't survive that shit. I, I really, really hope he burned <laughs> in that crash. That would be some oh, miraculous yeah. nonsense if he survived that too after everything else that happened. So I'm gonna be so pissed if he comes back in another movie. Yeah. Now, um <laughs> I have to say, when they're all together in that when they're, you know try I can't remember if it's they're trying to escape or get to one place or whatever, but there's a hallway scene where they're fighting a bunch of soldiers and mechanical mon- like animal creep monsters and shit. And it's this like circular white lit hallway, and it the it does the God of War thing with the like the new God of War games where it never cuts. The camera just pans from one character to the next, and the whole thing is done not necessarily in slow mo, but in definitely a like slowed down sort of action. It like speeds up and slows down on and off. And the camera pans through the whole hallway, moving from character to character, showing each of them getting their licks in on different characters. And it never cuts. The whole thing is beautiful. It looks like it was done in one take. Wonderfully choreographed, beautifully filmed. And I I am so glad that Marvel has finally learned how to properly film fight scenes. Back in the day, they used to cut them to shit. It was just like jump cut after jump cut, like snap, snap, snap. And now they're finally, like, doing doing these scenes justice by doing like one takes and pan shots instead of choppy nonsense you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so their old fight scenes would be hard to keep up with because not it would be like dark and it would be like jumping all over the place and i'd be like boy it would be nice if i could tell what the hell was actually going on <laughs> you know right <clears throat> but now all i know is you know things are going bang bang boom you know but now mm-hmm. it's what I saw in this movie, what I saw in that hallway fight scene, was definitely some of the best cinematography I've seen in w- one of these MCU movies in a while. Um, I don't think the cinematography has been that good since um, Sam Raimi did Multiverse of Madness. And the mm. way that he filmed certain certain parts of that movie to kind of look almost like the Evil Dead, <laughs> you know? Right. Um Certain parts of that movie gave me Evil Dead vibes, and that's because it was filmed by this, directed by the same guy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can tell, you can sometimes tell who's directing a movie just by the way it feels. You know, and this is definitely a James Gunn movie. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely! Especially after seeing him do the Suicide Squad reboot, 
Mm-hmm. This definitely feels like a James Gunn movie. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, it absolutely amazing. Um. So did you? You so you said you didn't have any caveats. You don't have any any complaints. It was a perfect ten for you. Yeah, perfect ten. Okay, okay. Just to, just wanted to check on that. Oh man, yep, yep. I'm I, I'm still gonna go with a nine point five, but it's mainly just because I um the the rocket thing and the Peter thing both irked me a little bit but (laughs) you know not so much that it ruins the movie just enough to take a half point off you know but that's only a that's only a half point it barely even counts (laughs) you know this arbitrary rating scale if this was a school grade it would be like an a so (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter um but you know just 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 my thoughts just my thoughts um I do like, uh, I do feel like Adam Warlock was underutilized, like I said in the beginning, but he, but he definitely came into his own throughout the movie. It was, absolutely. Um, it was well done overall. I liked, uh, actually one of the funny, now that I think about it, one of the funniest parts of the entire movie, um, probably was in the early beginning when he comes to nowhere and attacks and he's looking for rocket he's trying to get him and craglin goes to use the arrow on him and he kind of fucks it up so it just like hits him on the side and he he looks down at it and he looks up and he's like who threw that at me (laughs) (laughs) yes that might be my favorite my favorite funny part in the whole movie honestly now that i think about it just the way he delivers the line the way will poulter delivers the line is fucking brilliant Mm -hmm. you know and you know i'm glad that they let him be himself in this movie in the sense that he's actually british the actor is so that was not a british accent that's actually him um Mm -hmm. we're used to seeing him in things like maze runner and where the millers where he's doing an american accent and i gotta tell you from things that i've seen like the last of us with bella ramsey and where the millers with him and all kinds of other shit that british actors have been in where they're doing american accents Mm -hmm. british actors british actors are a thousand times better at doing american accents than american actors are at doing british accents just want to say that you're not wrong they're extremely convincing to the point where when I I only know them from the things they've been in and then when I would see them in interviews and they're actually using their, you know, original British accent, I'm like, holy shit, they're British? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it always catches me off guard. I'm like, oh, damn, I didn't know that. Because they are just so good at doing the American accent that it is, it, it's, it's the most, it's extremely convincing extremely convincing mm-hmm. um and it always catches me off guard meanwhile you got americans doing british accents and it's like oi mate tea and lemony crumpets isn't it that <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's not quite hitting the nail on the head right <laughs> you know so oh uh, maybe we're just easier to imitate i don't know i guess <laughs> yeehaw cheeseburgers and stuff <laughs> Oh man. Um <clears throat> So, um man, oh, Howard the Duck was in this, I noticed. Yes, uh, I noticed before that. I forget. Yeah, that was uh, that was a nice little cameo there. 
once again being voiced by Seth Green, uh, who is reprising his role as Howard from other MCU properties, including the post-credit scene of the first Guardians movie and a couple episodes of What If, the animated Marvel show that took place after Loki when the multiverse opened up and showed us what's happening in other universes. There was a universe where instead of... um, Peter Quill, it was T'Challa, the Black Panther, who became Star-Lord, and things were different, and they had a different team. Thanos was part of their team, actually, because he became a good guy in that universe, Mm -hmm. um, part of these Guardians, among others. Nebula is there, but she's a little bit different, um, and all that. And Howard the Duck, at one point, joins their team. He goes, you know, helps them with something they need to do. So, um, yeah, what if... Very interesting. I would say watch the first season of Loki first and then immediately after watch What If because that is a very interesting, very trippy show. And it's animated, completely animated. They're basically retelling all of your favorite Marvel movie stories with different characters or if different things happened. You know, like one of the very first episodes imagine imagines what if Peggy Carter became Captain America instead of Steve Rogers. And that's how we got Captain Carter. So, and Captain Carter is one of the cameos in Doctor Strange 2. <laughs> so, everything ties together with the multiverse weirdness. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, Howard was there during that poker scene, and I, I recognized <clears throat> one of the aliens with the, with the funny eyebrows, and I didn't realize what it was at first, and then I realized it later. Mm-hmm. He's the broker from the first Guardians movie. When Peter goes to sell the, the orb to the broker, that was the guy he was trying to sell it to. Oh, shit, that was, wasn't Gamora. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was that guy. Okay. Yep, yep. So I guess he's living on nowhere now, too. So that was, yeah, that was pretty interesting, but... Holy hell, man! What a great movie with some great moments. Absolutely, uh, I love the character development for I love the character development for Drax and Mantis, especially. Yes, because um, Drax was kind of dumbed down to a bumbling idiot in the second movie, mm-hmm. and they gave him they 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 handled him so much better in this movie. They did, I think. Absolutely, um, they definitely gave him a great a great arc, a great story arc, and Mantis got her independent. Um, you know. Uh, character arc and peter finally learned how to let go when it came to gamora and i was so happy i was so afraid the whole time that they were going to do the stupid cliche thing um and make them fall in love again and they would have their romantic kiss and all that blood and i'm so goddamn tired of these fairy tale cliches and i am so happy that they took the route they did instead. Yes. Because it's not that it's not that they were they remained um they didn't they didn't remain like uh distant to each other. They actually grew close again over this adventure, but not close enough for them to rekindle the the flame from the previous thing. Peter had to accept the fact that this was a different version of Gamora from a different time. And the one that he loved is dead, and he had to learn how to let go and accept that fact. He just he was holding on to her because he couldn't accept her death. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, and I I imagine I imagine seeing a different version of his dead girlfriend come from a different time that doesn't even remember him probably didn't help matters. <laughs> no. So, but he. I'm so glad that they they did it the way because Peter learns to move on. You know, and and Gamora gets to be with her new chosen family, 
with the Ravagers, and everybody wins, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's friends with the Guardians again now, but she doesn't necessarily have to be with them. And it's, like, it, it's a very well-written way. They could have done the whole, like romance cliche thing i just think it would not have fit the tone of this movie if they did that and i'm so glad they didn't you know i'm so glad they didn't force the the you know the kissy kissy Mm -hmm. i just um i'm so glad that they that they went more of a i would argue therapeutic route with it to be honest Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that was definitely the right move i think what do you think absolutely as far as that, yeah. See, you're you're glad that they they um they took the route what they did with that too. Yeah. For Peter and Gamora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have felt forced if they if they'd gotten back together, wouldn't it have? Especially after all that, it would have yeah. felt. I would, I would, I would argue that if they had gotten together at the end again at the end of this movie after everything they just went through, that would be the very definition of trauma bonding. Yes. <laughs> Which is which is never healthy. No. <laughs> which never ends well. You know? Um, so that... Yeah. So I'm glad that they didn't do that. You know, these movies... It's, it's so well written. It's a great... Yeah, this is why... I hope the writer's strike goes well for them. Because they yeah. need to pay their goddamn writers. Absolutely. Because the people, the people who wrote this movie definitely need a raise. Absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, an amazing amazing uh movie so that's what i uh i think and i think we handle all the cameos we got sylvester stallone tara strong was mainframe mm-hmm. uh, sean gunn is craglin um nathan fillion was in there as one of the security guards in the in the goopy place <laughs> yeah um, um oh shit there was another one. pete davidson was in this movie he was he just didn't know it was him Oh, did you know that? I did. I picked up on that. So he's, um, he literally has like one line in the movie, but he's like one of the aliens that they kill almost immediately when it's Peter and, um, and Groot. Yes. Um, he's got like big black bug eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, you remember the one I'm talking about? I believe so. Yeah. I picked up on it. I'm like, that's Pete. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh, that's Pete fucking Davidson. I had no idea it was him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an alien dude that's got like a, and I'm going to put a picture up here on the, on the, on the thing for the people watching on YouTube. So you know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, this guy, he is an alien. He's got, like, a green head, and he was pointing a gun at them, and he's, like, wearing, like, a leather jacket, and he's got black eyes, like, pure black eyes, like Nebula. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. That that was Pete Davidson, which I did not know until I watched a YouTube video pointing out the cameos, and then I Googled it to make sure, and sure enough, that's him. Mm-hmm. So, so, anyways... Yeah. Final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, no, I think we got pretty much everything covered that I wanted to talk about. Okay, okay. I guess my last thing is that I would, again, I would advise 
anybody um i mean if you're listening to this part you either don't care about spoilers you've already seen it so this might be a redundant warning but uh if you're planning on taking a child under 13 to see this i would advise caution uh you know parental discretion is highly advised you know what your kid can and can't handle so you know just you know maybe that's why you listen to the spoilers you wanted to know exactly how bad it actually got right. <laughs> you know well, I can tell you this, it's not gory, it's just that the imagery is disturbing, and quite honestly, it's what I would, ar- it, I would, I would call it body horror. Yes. Is what I would call it. Absolutely. I would call it body, cybernetic body horror, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not like, not like the thing, we're not going that far with it, but it's definitely, you know, uh, these characters are definitely making the best of it, but it... Uh, it, it's a uh, it would be a horrifying fate to be trapped in for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it just it definitely gives me soma vibes. I, I come back to that a lot because that <laughs> game still bothers me. But <laughs> you know there were similar things in that. I would come up on a character that was like half alive, still human, but also fused to the wall with like like a monster like ripped their lungs out but like the cybernetics created new lungs for them and now they're stuck to the wall and if you know if they move if they try to leave they'll die you know they're just like stuck there it's Mm -hmm. absolutely horrifying yeah so um so it just it reminded me of that kind of stuff it's um not not quite to that level but i think my toy story analogy is pretty on the money (laughs) with the sin's bedroom yeah absolutely yeah so Oh, God. I love this movie, though. This might be, I would say, the best MCU movie since Infinity War. Like, out of all of them. Uh, Yeah. Out of all of them. Mm -hmm. Since Infinity War. I would definitely put this in the top five. Like, for sure. Um... Ooh, yeah, an absolute master. Some people are saying since Endgame, but I actually liked Infinity War more than Endgame. And Infinity War was also the last MCU movie to stick with me like this for as long as it did. You know? Right. Because of the, you know, it just, it wasn't as impactful because for one, I knew what was going to happen in that movie was going to happen because I knew from the comics. Mm -hmm. And two, I also knew that they were all going to come back. (laughs) So, you know, that, so that didn't, you know, bother me as much, but this movie, man, I was dreadfully afraid for so many characters lives at so many points. (laughs) This movie, this movie teases you so much. It teases you. Yeah. And it's emotional torture at times. Quite. And, but the payoff, absolutely worth it all. Absolutely worth it all. You know, 9.5 out of 10 would suffer again. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Anyways, yeah, that is our review, our deep dive of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah. Truly one of, in my, my favorite of the Guardians movies, and definitely in my top five MCU movies of all time. For sure. So this one is gonna stick with me for a while. Like I I have a desperate need to see it again. I'm like a freaking crack addict. I am I am actually I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing it again. I I cannot wait to see this movie again. I would I I would watch it at least two or three more times. Absolutely. To be yeah. honest with you. So anyways 
Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you uh, enjoyed this, be sure to click that like button if YouTube is where you are uh, with you where you are watching it. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any of the those places, be sure to follow the podcast so that you get updates whenever there's a new episode. And you can also share it with people that you think might enjoy it as well. Yes. It definitely helps. If you do that, uh, on Apple Podcasts, I believe you can even leave us a little rating and review if you so wish, uh, which would also help. And, of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Oversoul53 and him as well at The Vaping Fiend. Uh, if you saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, let me know your thoughts in the comments down below. Anyways... That'll be it for this bonus episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And have a great day. Bye-bye. Goodbye. orange, yellow is for green, green is for red, and red is for yellow. No, yellow is for yellow, green is for red, red is for green. I don't think so. Try it then. Hello! Ah! You're right.